0: Well, good morning, Oakwood. Glad you're here this morning. This is the last part of a series that uh, we've been in for the last four weeks uh, called Carols. And we've been going through uh, different uh, Christmas songs and uh, just letting those uh, verses and those lyrics and and a lot of those come um, either straight from Scripture or with an idea from Scripture uh, letting those really uh, witness to our hearts and to our minds, and uh, we're going to continue in that this morning. I'm excited to uh, share with you that, that first week, you might uh, remember, uh, we did O Holy Night, and uh, actually one of the, the first song ever played on AM radio, ever played on radio in the world was O Holy Night, and uh, we learned a lot about uh, that and what a special night it was and how there's a thrill of hope because the weary world rejoices, and I think a lot of us could relate to that, that sometimes it seems like this... Uh, this world is such a weary place. The next week we talked about, um, oh, come all ye faithful, and we, we kind of laughed and said maybe that should have been, oh, come all ye faithless, and instead of joyful and triumphant, you know, it should be like downcast and defeated, because uh, that's the way we feel sometimes, and yet there's that hope. Uh, we are called to be faithful, and it's because uh, Jesus Christ himself grows our faith in us. And then last week, Alan Sewell did a great job with Away in a Manger and, and talked about what that song means. And today we're going to look at a song that's uh, going to be one of those that, oh yeah, that's a great song. I'm familiar with that song. But have you ever really understood the depth of the, the theology and the doctrine behind this song? And that's the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's what we're going to be talking about today and kind of let that spur our time of discussion now we're going to be looking up a lot of scripture this morning so invite you to use your bible if you brought it or use that bible that's in front of you uh, there Uh, if you didn't bring your bible this morning you want to follow along in the app we'd love for you to interact with the messages that way Uh, you can just go to oakwood app go to sermon notes all the scriptures and the bullet points are there for you And it's going to be a great, great time this morning. I want to pause and just ask the Lord to be with us this morning, to uh, speak to us. So if you would, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord God, I thank you uh, for this time that we can hear from you this morning. And I pray, God, that you would increase in our minds and our hearts and that I would decrease as as simply your messenger this morning. God, that um, you can use this time, Lord, um, to show us who you are. Um, And, and God, that we would have a response in our hearts and our minds at the end of this message. Lord, just uh, pray that you, again, would be with us, that you would get all the praise and all the glory for uh, the wonder and awe that we will receive from hearing about you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now as we uh, do this this morning, I want to just begin as I have every week with just giving you a little bit of background to this song. And this one is very, very interesting uh, because it's very, very old. Uh, This hymn of Christmas, originally written in Latin, as so many of our Christmas carols were, actually takes us back to 1,200 years ago. So uh, rewind in your mind back to the 8th or the ninth century into a monastic life. Seven days before Christmas Eve in monasteries all over Europe, they would sing something called the O Antiphones in anticipation of Christmas Eve. And on the eighth antiphone, it was called O Virgo Vergamum which is Latin for, O Virgin of Virgins. And it would be sung right before and after Mary's song, which is called the Magnificat, uh, which we're actually going to be um, reading in just a few minutes. We'll be talking about that more. But they would, they would sing these songs, and, and I um, found a, a recording of it that I just think kind of brings us back there. So if you would close your eyes, go back with me to the 8th century in a monastery um, in Latin, hearing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, maybe for the very first time. Now, that may have been what it sounded like back then. Next year, we're going to have a men's choir work on that, okay? It's going to be great. So men, be, with, be, be here with us for Christmas uh, next year. That's just really cool to think about it. And, and they would always begin those phrases with the word O, oh, which is why the O oh, antiphones. But the text for O Come, O Come, Emmanuel was actually a seven-verse poem. It was used in a call and as a response um, to vespers or evening services um, at churches and with the monks in the monasteries. There was a metrical version um, of five verses that actually came about in the 13th century where you know, it was set to certain tunes and music with the chorus and the refrain. Um, it was also translated to English by J.M. Neal in 1851. So it actually wasn't written into English until 1851. Of those five verses that were most famous and expounded upon, they talked about the names of the Messiah. Words like Emmanuel, Adonai. Branch of Jesse, Orion's, and Key of David. Referring to Jesus' mission in this world, but also to His lineage through history. The British hymnologist J.R. Watson said that this song was designed to concentrate the mind on the coming Christmas, enhancing the meaning of the incarnation that means God taking on the form of man, enhancing that meaning with a complex of of in a series of references from both the Old and the New Testament. Now check this out. Old and New Testament scriptures that can pull references out of this song in its seven verses are 29 books in the Bible. Those books include Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, 1 Timothy, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and Revelation all have references in that song. So again, it's one of those songs that we we hear it and we hear the mystique of it, but there's quite a message in it. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to hear this song live now. I just want you to focus on the lyrics and the hope of it. We're going to hear O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
1: Come, oh come. See? Yeah. the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to fly rejoice
0: Thank you, Ethan and Kaylee, that was awesome, I could listen to that again, and again,
1: <laughs>
0: it was awesome. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn, where we're going to begin this morning in Luke chapter 1, Luke's Gospel chapter 1, beginning with verse 46, and just as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we're going to begin with the Magnificat this morning. Um, this is Mary's song of praise. Uh, she has uh, gotten the news that she's going to have the Christ child. Uh, she has gone to uh, visit um, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth has encouraged her, and Mary's beginning to accept her mission from God, and she just pours out this song of praise. That's where we're going to uh, begin this morning and uh, begin to look uh, more into this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, check out what this says, and begin with verse 46, uh, Luke chapter 1. song of praise anyway you know i I don't know what your response to this is if it's like oh that's nice you know that's really really good i liked that one part about you know showing mercy and how it shows mercy from generation uh, to generation for those who fear the lord and maybe something jumped out in you but it probably wasn't the last two verses of what she is writing and, and singing and speaking here And it says this, He has helped His servant Israel. Talking about the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. You see, there's a lot to be uh, remembered here. O come, O come, Emmanuel was something that they had been crying for, them being the nation of, of, of Israel for hundreds of years. And yet, she reminds us here that it's the great mercy of the Lord that he had on Israel that will remind God's people of that. And it goes all the way back to Abraham. Now, if you know your Bible, you know Abraham is in the book of Genesis. All the way back at the beginning. You may say, well, what's it referencing here? There's a very important doctrine here that goes all the way back to Genesis. It goes all the way back to Abraham and to the offspring and lineage of Jesus through Abraham. And it's found in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. You don't need to turn there, but I want to reference it. You may want to write it down if you're taking notes. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 is a little passage of Scripture that we call the Abrahamic Covenant. And what that is, is it's a covenant that Almighty God made with Abraham. And this is what he said to Abraham at that time. Genesis chapter 12, 12 12 chapters into the Bible. And he said this. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go into the land I will show you. You see, God was telling Abraham there that you're going to go into the promised land, but to do this, you've got to leave your country, your people, and your father's household. All that is safe to you, all that is known to you, you leave it for me, and you're going to go into this land that I will show you. It's going to be the promised land eventually, and it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's more than you ever could have imagined, but you have to leave your country, your people, and your father's household. When I think of that, I think, wow, isn't that kind of what Mary and Joseph were asked to do? I mean, It was because of a census, while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, that it came time for Caesar to do his count to make sure the tax tables were getting levied and that everything was right. And so that's what brought Mary and Joseph to leave their place, their people, their comfort, and to go into the place that God would show them. But it starts there, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and it says, God says to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to land, I will show you. And he says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. He says, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then he goes on, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, but then we get to verse 3, and it says, for all the nations on earth will be blessed through you. And you read that way back in Genesis chapter 12 and you think, how? How, God, will the whole world be blessed through Abraham? Well, when you study the lineage of Jesus and you understand how it was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the way to King David and then all the way that lineage carried to Jesus, Jesus was the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham. He was the one. And when the nation of Israel would, would say something and cry out for the longing of the Messiah to come, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, it was the coming of Christ into the world that fulfilled the promise to Abraham all the way back at the beginning in Genesis chapter 12. Jesus was the one that the whole world would be blessed through, through Abraham's lineage. Now, I think it's important before we read the next verse here that uh, we understand what this word Emmanuel means because it's in the song today and we're going to talk about it a lot. Emmanuel literally means God with us. And so if you say that and you hear that word this morning, I don't want you to think of Emmanuel and whether it's spelled with an E or an I, it's interchangeable in the Scripture. But, But I just want you to think of God with us. God being with us. Let's look at our next verse here. A prophecy from long ago. Through the prophet Isaiah in chapter seven verse fourteen, it says this: Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Now he's talking to somebody here. He's talking to King Ahaz. If you read the uh, the uh, context of the scripture there, and he's giving him an answer because King Ahaz has asked God for a sign. Show me a sign that you're large and in charge, God. Show me a sign that you're in control. You'll give me something to put my faith in, to believe in. And God answers King Ahaz with this: Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was written approximately 740 years before Jesus' birth. Now, again, we hear things like this and, and we think, oh, you know, it's not a big deal, you have 740 years. Okay, let's just put this into some context this morning, then, okay? 740 years. If we could look into and to think about the future, 740 years from now, and I know the first thing that comes to my mind is Lord help us, right? I mean, (laughs) dark and dreary world, weary world, yeah, yeah, that's that, they might get darker and wearier, but. Let's think, you know, if I were to say, predict something 740 years from now, some of you, you know, you just come up with something like, you know, maybe you're thinking Super Bowl prediction, right? You know, the Kansas City Chiefs will still be the world champions in 740 years and they're going to be in the Super Bowl again for like the 699th time and, you know, it's going to be great and we can make and throw out predictions like that. But let's think about how the prophet Isaiah did it through the Lord. He not only predicted 740 years in advance, he made it a little complicated. Okay, He said, a virgin will be with child. (laughs) See, we wouldn't make a prediction like that. We probably wouldn't even think of that. But that's what God did there in Isaiah 7.14. He said, said, behold, the virgin shall conceive. That that in itself is miraculous. But to declare that 740 years before it was going to happen. But then it got a little more specific. He says, and that virgin will bear a son... Well, you had a 50-50 chance there, right? It's going to be a son or a daughter, and it's going to be a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. There's that word, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And Isaiah 7:14 14, actually culminates in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. So if you would turn there, Matthew chapter 1, if you're using one of our Bibles, turn it to page 807. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 18 there. This is the story, and if you look at your subheading there, I don't know what it says in my Bible. It says the birth of Christ. It's just uh, talking about it. It's talking about uh, Joseph, um, kind of and what he was dealing with uh, through uh, this, this time and the situation that he had himself in. Let's read it together. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed, was engaged to Joseph, before they came together physically, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He's going to break off the engagement and the commitment there and just divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit spirit she will bear a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins and all this took place to fulfill what the lord had spoken to the prophet here it is isaiah seven fourteen. behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name emmanuel which means god with us so when joseph woke from sleep he did as the angel of the lord had commanded him And he took his wife, but he knew her not, you understand what that means, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, just as the angel had told him to do. And there we see again. This, this song that is a song of yearning, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Israel had been in captivity not only to other countries and nations, they were in captivity to their own evil, to their own sinfulness. And you know their pattern in the Bible is that when they were following the Lord, they were blessed and they had great success. And then they would turn away from the Lord and they would pursue things of the world and they would go into sinfulness and they would reap the conse- consequences of those decisions. And we read about it all throughout Scripture. And yet there's this longing, come Messiah. Oh come, oh come, God be with us. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. You think about the words of that song and you see all throughout Scripture, and like I was reading before, 29 references to 29 different sections of Scripture and different books from the Bible. It's just amazing to see how God orchestrates and works all of this together. But this morning, I want to focus in on three things. What can this song of yearning, this call of old, O come, O come, Emmanuel, what can it remind us of? And not only for today, not only for Christmas, but for always, I want to share with you three thoughts this morning. And the first one is this, God is with us and God is with us right now. God is with us in the present time. There's so many times we want God to be with us, right? Have you ever found yourself doing that? uh, Praying those Lord be with me type of prayers? You know, as you're going on a trip, Lord be with me on this trip and be with my kids and Lord, just be with us and pray that the kids don't hurt each other in the back seat because I'm done with them. And I just, I just want to get there, Lord, and pray, pray God that you be with us and give us your traveling mercies. Lord, you be in this, you know, and we pray that and, you know, sometimes we uh, pray that when we meet somebody, maybe you met somebody online, you're going on a blind date, you're like, Lord, please help this person to be normal. and. He tells this person not to be a stalker, Lord, and just pray that you be with me, Lord, and protect me as we go on this blind date. And God, I'm seeking your will in my life. Please be with me as I go throughout my day. And sometimes we, we pray, pray that for everything, you know. He's like, God, go go uh, and be with me in this job interview today. God, be with me as I go talk to my boss. God, be with me as I go and, and try to talk to somebody about the situation that I'm in. Uh, Lord, be with me. And, 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 you know, it goes on and on from there. Some of you uh, students, You know, you've been praying, the Lord be with me prayers this past couple weeks with the finals, right? Lord, just be with me. Take this test for me, Lord. In fact, take it from me, Lord. Right now, I'd surrender it to you. All that I have not studied, Lord, be with me. Lord, be with this algebra book as I place it on my head and all the information. I'll I'll give you a little hint. God's telling you to study. That's why I gave you a mind to think and eyes to read and yeah. But we do this, right? We pray. We pray. And sometimes, you know, we laugh at that and say it's in a silly way, but we do, we pray a lot of these Lord be with me type of prayers because we desire the Lord to be with us. And God promised He'd be with us because He was going to give us Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God be with us. I want you to know today that God is with you in the present circumstances. He was with Them in this story, uh, the angels. Think about the, the angels when they came. What caused them to come? It was God sending a message that I will be with you. What about the shepherds? When the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field, they declared to them, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They were bringing a message that God is going to be with you. And that's why they said, unto you this day is born in the city of David. Unto you shepherds. You think about the wise men that come and travel such a great distance when the wise men come and they present their gifts and they worship. It says that they actually bowed down and worshiped Jesus. They were coming and worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords because He came into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. And that yearning of the Israelites from long ago, even into today. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, come into our life, come into our presence. Do you remember this from John chapter 1, verse 1? John 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Talking about Jesus Christ and the representation of the Logos, the Word. And then it says, in 14 verses later in John's Gospel, chapter 1, it says that the Word became flesh and did what? Dwelt among us, God with us. In Luke one twenty-eight, just a few verses before the Magnificat that we read just a few minutes ago, the angel went to Mary and said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. In all these circumstances you're going to go through, Mary, the Lord is with you. He's with you in the present time. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have called upon His name. He is with you through everything. He promises to be with you and to get you, may, get you through everything. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you're dealing with sickness. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you're just hurt. Maybe you're just in a season of struggle in your life. And if I were to come to you and I were to say, God is with you, you would say, God is where? I would say, God is with you. God is where? God is with you. He's with you in this present time. He's with you through whatever this world brings your way, whatever the devil would bring your way, whatever your sinful choices have brought your way, God is still with you through it all. God sent Him into this world. And in Isaiah 7.14 it says, we recognize Him as Emmanuel, declaring Him God with us. And so I know that sometimes this holiday season can be a magnifier of either good or pain in your life. And I know that some of you uh, are in a season of pain, just because of what's happened. Something's maybe happened in your in your family, or or maybe it's the passing of a of a loved one, or or, or maybe it's just a circumstance. You've lost a job. You're just you're just in this season, and, and and you're struggling. And God would say, "My Son has come for you, Emmanuel, God with us." And so we yearn, just as the song yearns, "Oh come, oh come." Emmanuel. God is with us. The second thing I think this song of yearning can remind us of this morning is that God was with us. You see, God is with us in the present, but God was with us in the past. And if you are a believer this morning, then you have your story of that You know how God worked in the past, and you can share that story. That's what Scripture talks about. The nation of Israel, all the characters in the Bible, those that are in Hebrews 12 and the Faith Hall of Fame can tell you story after story about how God was with them in the past. Here's the amazing thing. I think in our human frailty, this is how it is for us. Sometimes God is easier to see in the rearview mirror than He is in the moment. He's easier to see in the rearview mirror than He is in the moment. And you say, well, wow, this tragedy happened several years ago, but God did this. Why? Because he was with us. He cared about us. He loved us. I could think back in my life and think through all kinds of circumstances. Circumstances with jobs and circumstances with moving, circumstances with finances, circumstances with health, all kinds of things. And, and I could sit here for hours today. I really could. I could sit here for hours today and tell you the stories of how God was with us how God was with me personally, how God was with Amy, how God has been with us in our marriage and helped us through sometimes horrible circumstances and, the, and just, just the worst that this world could possibly offer. And yet, through it all, God was with us. It's so much easier to see in the past than it is in the present. You think about people in the Bible... Because all throughout Scripture, all these Bible characters, they're all it's declared to them over and over again that God was with us. I was thinking of the, the story of Joseph. You remember the story of Joseph in, in the book of Genesis? Again, in the beginning of the Bible, uh, Joseph had kind of declared himself to be someone special, that he was going to be a leader for the Lord. And his brothers were kind of jealous of him and thought, you know, you, you know you're just kind of a goody-two-shoe, and you're kind of a cocky young fellow. So uh, they decided they're going to throw him in a pit. And just let a lion jump in there and devour him. And then one of the brothers, who's really nice, he's like, well, let's have mercy on him. Here comes some slave traders from, they're heading to the east to Egypt. Let's just sell them. Let's sell them into slavery. And that's what they did. And if you know the story of Joseph, Joseph actually goes to Egypt. He becomes a part of a household in Egypt that is very powerful. Um, That's got a lot of influence, a lot of finances. Uh, The house of Potiphar. And it says that as he became a servant in Potiphar's house, he noticed that Joseph was so good at everything that he did, that Potiphar keeps giving him the business of his house. And basically, Joseph just kind of grows up in his house to become like the lead head master of all of Potiphar's business in the house. Potiphar's out playing golf, Joseph's running the show, that's the way it was, until Potiphar's wife... Paul's wife had seen Joseph and, and seen that he was pleasing to the eyes, and it also uh, probably was attracted to his power and his clout and how successful he was, and she pursues him. And just to keep the story short this morning, Joseph basically denies Potiphar's wife's advances, and then she concocts a story that he had actually made advances toward her. Potiphar was furious, and this betrayal landed Joseph in prison. And you're thinking, probably like he was at the time, God with me? God with us? If you know how the rest of the story goes, when he gets out of prison, he actually works his way up and is seen for his leadership skills, and he actually works his way up to being second in command of all of Egypt. Right below Pharaoh. The second in command. And you know what the scripture says there? It actually says this. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. Through all of that, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph, now Joseph probably didn't plan it all that way, <laughs> you know, prison time, you know, falsely accused, but the Lord was with Joseph. I'm telling you, if you know any Christians this morning, why don't you ask somebody in this room, how's the Lord been with you from the past? The Lord was with you. I think sometimes it's easier to see back there than it is right now. But there's a third thing this morning. O oh, come, O oh, come, Emmanuel. God is with us. God was with us. And the third thing this morning is God will be with us. God will be with us. He's with us in the present. He was with us in the past, and he will be with us in the future. That's why God sent his son to take on the form of man, the incarnation. God actually taking on the form of man, walking here with man, was all because of that. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8. What a great reminder. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and verses 37 through 39 says this. It'll be on the screens for you to read along. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? You guys can just answer no every time, okay? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? No. Shall persecution? No. What about famine? What about nakedness? Danger? Sword? And then what does it say here? It says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everybody say, Emmanuel, God with us. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And the other thing I was thinking about As I was thinking about scriptures, because it's all throughout scripture that it's recorded that God was with people, was Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23, right? Yeah, you know, everybody knows that, you know, maybe heard it. I know we use it a lot at funerals, because it's a psalm of hope. But did you ever think about, in the middle of the psalm, what it says? David writes a psalm, and it says, right in the middle of it, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says that he makes that, declares that statement. No, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. And you ever thought, why? Why? Why, David? Why will you not fear anything when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? I think I'd have a little fear and intrepidation there. He answers it in the next verse. This is what he says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God's with you, even in that time. Even in that time when you've made that decision for Christ and you have that time where you cross over from death in this world to eternal life with God the Father, He's even with you then. He takes your hand and He walks you right through it. He is with you, Emmanuel, God with us. And because of that, it really doesn't matter what this world throws our way. Because we would proclaim and yearn for what we have in Christ Jesus, and what the what the nation of Israel was yearning for so long ago, o come, oh come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Maybe we need to change the lyric a bit, though. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Eric. Put your name in there. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive you, because God is with us. And God was with us, and God will be with us in the future. And that's why I think Christmas could be wrapped up into one word, Emmanuel, God with us. He came into this world as the Son of God and took on the form of man so that he could suffer and die on a cross to save us not only from our sins, but to save us into eternal life with him. And what we're called to do is to respond to that in our hearts and in our minds and to accept him as our savior. And we've talked about this a lot in the last few months as not only our savior, but our Lord. He is our master. That we do what the master tells us to do. He doesn't force us to do it because he loves us so much. But that's the message of Christmas. Emmanuel, God coming into the world, God is with us. You think about this. When Jesus came into the world as a baby, didn't He enter the world in chaos? I mean, wasn't the world in disarray? And it probably felt much like it did today. This world is in, in disarray. And yet, the angels declared to those shepherds, Today in the city of David, a Savior is born to you. It is Christ the Lord. It was God saying to them, I am with you. When John the Baptist... When, when Jesus was coming to him to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, not because Jesus needed to do it, because he wanted to do it. He wanted to do it as an example for us. When Jesus was coming to John the Baptist, do you remember what John the Baptist proclaimed? He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes on the sins of the world. In that statement, he was saying, God is with you. When Jesus, when Jesus taught, and he told us that That He said this, he said, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because what? Jesus said, because I have overcome the world. Jesus was saying to us, I am with you. God is with you. And when Jesus went to the cross and he was crucified... And he was beaten and whipped and ridiculed and he took on all the sins of the world. And when he made those statements from the cross and he declared, it is finished. What he was saying to all of us is that I am with you. And just three days later, guess what? He didn't stay on that cross and didn't stay dead. No, he came back to life. He rose from the grave. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And because of that, he declares to us, I am with you. And then he gives us the great commission, our marching orders. And he says, hey, all of you who follow me, listen up. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he says this, and lo, I will be with you Always even to the very end of the age when he returns physically a second time, he's going to be with us all the time. And yet he calls on us and beckons us to respond to him. Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know where you're at this morning in your relationship with the Lord, but we're going to sing a song in just a moment. And we're going to, Give you an opportunity to respond. And if you're outside of Jesus Christ this morning, you've never called upon his name. I'm telling you what, Christmas Sunday, one of the best times to give your life to the Lord. That invitation to come to Jesus is open any time. If you feel him tugging at your heart on Christmas Day then pick up the phone and track one of us ministers down and we'll be glad to pray with you if we need to do a Christmas Day baptism and we'll we'll, we'll do that. We we want you to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to 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 have him uh, and be a part of his family and be a part of of his plan for your life. All you have to do is accept him. And you say, "Well, how do I know That God loves you that much. How do I know he can forgive us our sins? How do I know it's because he took on the form of man? That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus, the son of God, coming into the world so that we could have hope and eternal life with him. If you haven't made that decision, I'm praying today would be the day of salvation for you what we're going to do is we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song in just a minute and we have decision guides elders of the church that will be over here and and they would love to pray with you talk to you answer any questions you have about the lord jesus christ that you would just use this time to reflect on where you're at in the faith i know there's some here this morning that maybe you made that decision for christ long ago but if you're being honest you haven't been living like jesus is with you in fact you'd like to tuck him away sometimes as you continue on your own path in life there have been times in life where you felt like gosh god's presence is close but i haven't felt that in a long time i'm here to ask you this morning who moved what would scripture say god is with you i remember in CIY when i was in high school there's a speaker one night that said if there were a thousand steps between you and god god would take every step except one 999 steps he would take toward you, and he did it through Jesus Christ coming into the world. But that last step that you have to take toward him is called the step of love. It's because he's not going to force you to kneel and worship him. He's not going to force you to adore him. He's not going to force you to love him. That is a love and a decision of the will. It's a decision of choice that you make. That you get to respond. That you make that decision for yourself. Am I going to yield my life and surrender to Christ? Or am I going to continue going on the path that I'm going? This morning, I just pray. Respond if you feel like God is calling you home to that relationship with him. As we declare, Emmanuel, God is with us. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for this song that inspires us because it's such a great reminder that you not only ransom captive Israel, you ransom captive us and our, our sinfulness, God. You forgive us our sins. You you purify us. The scripture says you purify us from all unrighteousness and you pull us out of that way of life and set us in a new direction and we become a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come because of what Jesus did while he was here in physical form in this world. And God, we thank you for that. God, we, de- we declare that. We cry out as Israel ca- cried out for hundreds of years. Oh, come, oh, come. Emmanuel, come Messiah and save us from our sins. And God, you did it because you loved us so much. You loved Israel, you loved those who have come before us, and you love us. And Lord, it doesn't matter how far we've run away from you, what darkness we are into, what sinful pattern we have established in our life, God, you can wipe all of that clean through your blood. God, we can have confidence. That we can be overcomers in this life. And there's nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of Christ that's that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just as the scripture said that we read earlier. God, just in this next few minutes as we declare this again. As we get to sing these lyrics and, and declare this together. God, continue to move in our hearts and our minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing this together.